You are listening to sermon audio from Fort Myers Community Church. For more information about how to get involved in the life of this church family, please visit www.fmcc.life. Thank you. Welcome. Uh, We're going to start what we call a mini-series, and we do this a lot in the summer simply because a lot of people are gone on vacation, and if we're doing like we've done, we've been doing for the last half years, where we're going verse by verse through the book of Ephesians, sometimes we get to a verse that if you're not here for that week, uh, and you haven't listened to the sermon before, you have a hard time connecting the dots and, and following along. And so we're going to do something that for somebody like me that is very contextual, right? You guys heard me say this before, text without a context is a pretext to a proof text, right? You don't take anything out of context in the word of God. We're gonna pick these verses that Natalie uh, just gave us, kind of pick them up and go through them in the next six weeks uh, through July and August. And if you listen to what she read, why we're doing this is within that text, There's specific things Paul tells us we're to be if we are renewed, if we've taken, we'll talk about that today, if we've taken off our old body, what was in sin, and we're we're wearing our new self, which is in Christ Jesus. And we can actually look at these and say, uh, be truthful to each other. Don't be deceitful. In your anger, do not sin. And each one of these points that that she read today, we can take an individual message and actually complete it. We can, uh, we can sit there, we can take it apart, we can put, a, put the application to it, and you, every, who's ever here can take that truth and go out and be filled with the Holy Spirit to walk. Uh, so I don't have to connect dots, except today. Uh, today I have to connect some dots. So I gotta really kinda go into the context of how do we get there, because I can't just jump in to 25 and say, be truthful, to each other without understanding where truth comes from. And Paul tells us that in some verses in front of it. So what I'm gonna do the first half of this message is lay out the context of Ephesians on where Paul gets these commands, because they're commands. Remember, this is the infallible word of God. Everything he says today, Tim, don't be deceitful anymore, be truthful. Next week, I'm going to preach on anger. Tim, in your anger, do not sin. As I unpack them today, you'll see every one of us who's been saved by God, filled with the Holy Spirit, is to live this way. You have it in you. You didn't have it in you in the old self, in your sinful nature, but you do have it in you today. And so I want to unpack that a little bit and show you how Paul gets to that point. If we look at, let's pray first. Holy Father, in your holiness, you have uh, given your Holy Spirit to the writers of Scripture, to Paul and Peter and John and Mark and Luke and Matthew. Uh, And in that, you have said, uh, these are my instructions that you use to encourage and hold up and grow and correct. So Lord, let us find this time of worship in your word. May we find these times of, uh, of looking what you've done to us through the blood of Christ and only you've done it through Christ alone, that we may be encouraged, that we may be challenged, uh, that we may be joyful in the position you put us in Christ Jesus, and that above all, Lord, we look at all these in the next coming week that have been given to us only in the sufficiency and the supremacy of Jesus Christ, and all these in his name, amen. So what I want to do for the first, it's probably going to be an extended um, introduction because there's some things here we need to grasp before I go to the first one, when it talks about put off deceitfulness and put on truth. I want to walk through the context. Uh, In the context of of this verse is really starts in 4.1. So again, we're going to look at 4.25, but it starts in 4.1. Everything from 4.1 to the end of the book 
stands on verses 1 and 2 of chapter 4. Paul says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. So this is a topic sentence for everything that comes in the rest of the book of Ephesians. And it's the topic sentence for understanding 425 through 32. And we're going to have two sermons on 5.3 through 5.20. So that's the greater context. We're, we're called and urged by Paul to walk in a manner worthy of our calling. We'll notice as we go through this, he'll say, do not walk this way anymore. Walk this way. Do not walk in the darkness. Walk in the light. Do not walk as a Gentile. Walk as a believer. Walk in love. So the context, all we have to understand that what I'm about, what we'll speak about later and what Ben will speak about in a couple of weeks and what Mark will speak about in a couple of weeks is all structured around this commandment by Paul, because that's what it is, it's command language, walk in a manner worthy of the calling. And that calling we found in chapter 1. You have been saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Walk in a manner worthy of that. So what we're going to look at in the coming weeks, we're going to look at weekly biblical truth in a complete way that you can take, if you don't know it, and begin to apply it to your life. What does it mean to be truthful and not deceitful? What does it mean to be angry? God says it's all right to be angry in a specific way. We'll talk about that next week. In your anger, do not sin. So we'll be able to dissect each one of these and fill them completely. We'll look at the manner in which the children of God are to live. We'll look at verses 5, 1, and 2. It says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. As we walk back there, I'm going to keep going back to Ephesians 5, 1, because he's going to tell, you, tell us if, if I'm to be truthful to you, but I'm not truthful in love, then I'm not being biblical. In my anger, if I sin, I'm not walking in love. If I'm lazy and not working and helping others out, I'm not walking in love. If I have a mouth that's deceitful, I'm not walking in love. And so we're wrapping this whole thing on, on, on these truths on how we're to act and walk as believers in this thing that therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a, fa a fragrant offering to sacrifices in God. So the context, the next thing we've got to look at. So the first thing we're looking at is, here's these truths. It's all said in 4.1. Walk in a manner worthy of your calling. Before I can get to put, on, put off deceitfulness and put on truth, I've really got to kind of say, how do I get there? Can't just jump, in, jump into it and tell all you guys to be truthful, right? So turn your Bibles to, chapter, to Ephesians. I want to walk us through verses 17 through 24, because this is where Paul sets up 25 through 32. We also have a bad chapter break. Um, Five, one, and two are a horrible chapter break. In the Greek, chapter five, one, and two actually go with verses uh, right after 430, 32. Okay? There's an old story about how verses and chapters, I'm going to take a bunny trail so you guys get this. There's an old story on how chapters and verses came in. The chapters and verses are not inspired word of God. Somebody added them. And they were added, if I remember, out in the 15th or 16th century. And I don't know if it was Spurgeon or Tyndale or one of the old uh, preachers of the old times said, he thinks that this guy was riding a horse as he was adding chapters and verses. And every time he hit a bump, he made a mark. And that was a new chapter. Because a lot of times they make no sense. 
5, 1, and 2 make no sense. When we'll look at these, these verses of what we're to do, the therefore goes back to, to the therefore of what I'm going to preach about today is be truthful. Therefore, Tim, be truthful because you're an imitator of God. You're his beloved child. So walk in love and be truthful, Tim. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice of God. That was my paraphrase of 5, 1, and 2. So we've got to keep that in the context too. So I'm going to walk through 17 through 24. That will be the end of my introduction. And then we're going to jump into uh, the first command that Paul gives us. So follow along as I read through 17 through 24. This is chapter 4 of Ephesians, verse 17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord. Right there we have to stop. Paul says something under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and he double downs. He said, I say this, and not only do I say this, I testify in the Lord. Which really means for us, when we see that type of structure in God's word, stop. He's about to say something really, really important. I, as an apostle, use my apostle authority to say what I'm about to say. And I'm speaking on the authority of God. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. Remember, this whole context is based around walking in a manner worthy of my salvation. And the first time he brings this up is, I must no longer walk in a certain way. He says that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. So he's going to go back several times a day and he goes, don't go back to what you were. Don't fall back into being a Gentile. Don't walk like that. Now I, now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. Don't fall back in the fertility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding. Don't fall back into darkness. They are alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is within them. Don't fall back into ignorance. Due to their hardness of heart, don't fall back to a hard heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality. Don't fall back to the sensuality of your old ways. Greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Don't fall back into greediness. Don't fall back into impurity. But, verse 20, but this is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Christ. If you've got a Bible, underline verse 21 because we'll come back to it. Verse 22. To put off your old self, your old self was ruled by sin, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires. If you have a Bible underlying corrupt through deceitful desires, we'll come back to that. Verse 23, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. So Paul's already called us to two things. Put off the old sinful self and renew the way you think. Renew the way your mind works. You have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you. Your spirit should look like that. Verse 24. And to put on the new self. The new self is ruled by Christ. Created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Underline true righteousness and holiness. We'll come back to that. I want to talk a little bit about some words here. In verse 
22, he says, to put off your old self. And in verse 23, 24, he says, put on the new self. In the Greek, in the grammar of the Greek, those are both completed. They're done in you if you're in Christ. So if somebody says, well, I'm not sure I can accomplish that. I'm not sure I'm mature enough in Christ to do that. Get that thought out of your mind. In the Greek, the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to say that the old self is gone if you're in Christ completely. It does not exist in you anymore. It's gone. Accomplished on the Christ, on the cross. The old self is dead. Then he says, put on the new self, completed. It's done. If you're in Christ Jesus, the new self is there. Then he says, renew your mind in between those two. Look at verse 23. And be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Beautiful the way the Holy Spirit inspired that. In the Greek, that is ongoing. It's a process. I should be more holy in the next 10 minutes than I was before I got up here. I should be more in love with Christ in the next two seconds than I was two seconds ago. And the thing there is that renewing of my mind, that ongoing process is 100% the work of God the Father through God the Holy Spirit. I can't do it. If I was trying to do it myself over and over and over again, I'd expect somebody here to say, Tim, we have to have a little bit of a talk because I'm not even sure you're in Christ. Remember, Paul says that. Assuming that you have heard about him and you are taught in him. I have no capability to renew my mind in and of myself. I depend on the Holy Spirit every morning and the word of God to keep my mind renewed. The other thing that's interesting here, Paul says, put off your old person or old self. Put on a new person, a new self. What's very interesting in this and why we have to get the context right is that language, putting on the new person and putting off the old person is only found here. It has no other biblical place to interpret what it means and it's never, ever used in classic Greek literature. It's very unique. So we've got to stop sometimes when we say something that unique that the Holy Spirit inspires the writer to write. The putting on and putting off words there are used of me taking a coat off or me putting a coat on. In Greek mysticism and in what we call Gnostic religion, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of putting on garments. Put on the garment of truth. Put on the garment of redemption. Put on the garment of righteousness. And they're talking about garments. And a lot of times, if you go all the way back to the early church fathers, most of them didn't quite look at it that way. And I think they're right. I think Paul's playing with some words here. Again, the uniqueness of it. He's using language for take off your old self, Tim. Take off the garment of your old self. Put on the garment of your new self. But he ties it to my personhood, to my humanity, to myself. And so if I just get this picture in my mind of taking off my coat, being my old self, my sinful self, and putting it back on as myself in Christ, I think we missed Paul's point. Paul's going deeper than that. Oh, it's so much more than what you were, Tim. Put on all, take off all your old deceitfulness, Tim. Take off all your old pride, Tim. Take off all your wanting to be first in everything, Tim. Take off all your desires of the flesh, Tim. Inspect your heart, Tim. Look at yourself in the mirror, Tim. Much deeper than just the idea of taking my coat off. And he says, put on the new self, Tim. 
Think about who you are in Christ alone, Tim. Do you treasure only Christ in your life, Tim? Do you trust wholly in the Holy Spirit, Tim? Is the only truth you find, Tim, found in the Word of God? Are you in love and desired and excited and treasure the ability to stand up to a world in the truth of God? Are you excited and celebrating and treasuring being able to talk in truth and love to your brothers and sisters in Christ? Much deeper than just the picture of taking a garment off. That's why the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to combine words that are found nowhere else in Scripture and found nowhere in, in Greek literature. Sometimes when we breeze past that, and all I do is teach that, hey, you know, these, these words are putting on a garment on, so put on the garment of your new self, take off the garment of your sinful self. We miss the point. So much deeper than that. He takes it down to our personhood. Do we know the privilege it is to sit with brothers and sisters in Christ in love? We'll see that in a little bit and talk about what it means to be truthful in Christ. Are you not excited to be able to get angry, but do it in a righteous manner that glorifies God? It's amazing. That's taking off the old self and putting on the new self and allowing God daily, daily to renew my mind. I get excited about my old mind going away. We will never, ever have enough time to understand everything in this book. Bunny trail real quick. You guys know I take bunny trails. Uh, to help a brother in Christ, I've been studying Ephesians chapter 13. And I've been listening to Dr. Piper on three sermons on chapter 13. And I'll let you go read 13. It's how we're to act within our government and our society. Um, and it was really neat because even John Piper, who has been studying and teaching the Word of God for almost 40 years, still looks at this one and says, sometimes I don't understand why the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to put it this way. I got a brother in the, guy, in the minister right here today. There's still parts of Scripture we read sometimes and go, oh, right? That's because God is so different than us. And, and what we're seeing here is kind of that same thing, right? Are you excited about God renewing your mind every time you find a new truth in the Word of God? That's the whole reason we picked this little section up and put it out, because these truths, if you don't know them, and some of us may not, that's all right. That's why we're here. But these truths, when we get through with them, will be real to you. You can grab them. You can live them. You can celebrate them. You can rejoice in them, right? Because your mind has been renewed through the word of God. I want you to turn to Romans 6, 6 really quick. Just one text that kind of upholds this idea of uh, the, the completeness of who I am in, in my humanity, in my sinful humanity that I need to give up. Turn to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 6, because this is the closest place that Paul actually uses this language. Romans 6, verse 6. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin we know that our old self our old sinful self was crucified with Christ in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin I think Paul would say 
enslaved to sin, no longer enslaved to sin, is putting on the new self. I think we still get struggled with that. I think sometimes some of us, even on this side of the cross that are believers, enslave ourselves in sin. We forget about the power that lives within us. And we're gonna see today that this power allows me to be truthful and for you to be truthful to me. We'll see that this power allows me to be righteously angry. Not only does it allow me to be righteously angry, next week I'll tell you that the Bible demands you to be righteously angry. Now I'll have to unpack it a little bit more next week on what that looks like. But God in this side of salvation gives us all the right to be righteously angry with what goes on in our world. He cautions us, don't take it to sin. The opposite of that is, if you're not practicing righteous anger, or somebody that's more in the faith probably to come talk to you, right? Okay, that's the introduction. Really quick, in conclusion, the next six weeks, we're gonna look at specific things that when we're done with them, they're done. The next week doesn't add to it much. I don't have to lead you into much. What I do the next two weeks, we as believers should be able to grasp. For those who are mature, you should be tighter. For those of you that are young and grown in Christ, it should give you freedom to be truthful, to be angry. That comes through Christ alone. I can take off my old sinful self because of Christ alone. Nothing in me. I can put on my new, saved, sanctifying process because the renewing of the mind is a continuous process done by God and by God alone. I can put on my new self because it's complete in Christ alone. Nothing I did. If we just stop and pause on that, that is grounds for celebration, for rejoicing, for treasuring Jesus Christ. We'll see that here in a minute. Okay. Now, turn to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to look at verses, just verse 25. This is the first lesson. Okay. Introduction. Now we're moving to lesson. Verse 25 says, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. So the first truth thing we see is we are to speak the truth. We see in verse 24, we're supposed to take that old self that is, dis, that is identified by deceitful desires. Verse 22 says that. We're deceitful in our old self. We're to put that off. No longer be that way. It's not who we are. How many of you remember uh, the parable of the sower? You had some seed that got spread along the road. Basically, it doesn't do nothing. Satan takes it away very quickly. Then you had seed that was along a rocky place. And it germinated and began to grow. And joy followed quickly, but it fell away quickly because there's no way for it to root and hold on. Then there was a seed that fell in thorns. And it grew amongst a bunch of thorns. And Mark, inspired by the Holy Spirit, said, These are the people that heard the word, but the worries of the world, deceitfulness and riches, and other desires choked it out. They never became a new person. So the old self, he says, put away all falsehood in the old self. And he doesn't leave it there. He says, that's not good enough. If you just put away your deceitfulness, Tim, as a believer, you haven't gone far enough. You haven't taken everything I've given you, Tim. You're not treasuring the very ability of the Holy Spirit speaking in you to give you the strength to go further in your faith. 
It's not enough just to give up lying and deceiving. The new person must speak truth to our neighbors. In the context here, neighbors are my brothers and sisters in Christ. So, Ben, you're to speak truth to me. I'm to speak truth to you. We'll see why here in a little bit. So again, in this first ability that we have because of Christ alone is to be able to speak truth to each other. We'll unpack that a little bit more here. Because be quite honest, the church is bad at this. The body of Christ is horrible about this. I guarantee you there's people sitting in this room that have had people speak the truth to you. Other brothers and sisters in Christ speak what they thought was the truth to you, but not in a biblical manner. And I'll get to that in a minute. I know I have. I know some of you in here because I disciple some of you and I've gotten to know some of you. I know some of you have too. And so I'm going to be hard on the body of Christ today. Why? Because this text causes me, when I unpack it, it causes me to teach the right way and the wrong way to, be, to, be, to speak truth to my brothers and sisters. And for you to speak truth back to me. Okay? The truth comes from one place. We see that in verse 24. It comes from God and God alone. The truth is found in one place. It's found in Christ, in Christ alone, nowhere else. If my truth doesn't come from this, don't listen to me. If you come to me saying you're speaking truth, you better be able to back it up with scripture because there is no other truth than this. It says truth comes from God in verse 24. And it says truth is found in Christ alone in verse 21. I had you underline those. For this very reason. So if I ever come to one of you in encouragement, in love, in correction, but what I'm speaking, you have a hard time lining up with scripture, you need to come to me speaking in truth and love and correct me using scripture. Okay? Everybody get that? That's what this text is teaching us. There's two things I want to talk about this truth. What Paul does here is amazing. Paul wants to tell the Ephesians something about speaking in truth, and he does this in a very amazing way. He goes back to the Old Testament. He goes back to Zechariah chapter 8. We're going to turn that. That's where he's drawing from this whole thing about speaking truth to each other. He's taking it from the authority of God's word in the Old Testament. So inspired by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's inspiring him to go to the Old Testament and say, quote the Old Testament to put authority under speaking truth to each other. Okay, so I want you to turn to Zechariah chapter 8, because if we miss this, again, we don't get the fullness of God's wisdom. So turn to Zechariah chapter 8, like the second or third book, last books of the Bible. So Zechariah is, is preaching to uh, the Israelites who have come back into Jerusalem. They're building the temple, but they're starting to fall away like they always fall away. I'm going to start in verse 9. The text that we're going to look at that upholds this will be uh, verse 16. But I want you to get the flow. So Zechariah chapter 8, verse 9. This is what the word of God says. Thus says the Lord of hosts, let your hands be strong, you who in these days have been hearing these words from the mouth of the prophets who were present on the day that the foundation of the house of the Lord of hosts was laid, that the temple might be built. Verse 10. For before these days there was no wage for man or any wage for beast, neither was there any safety from the foe for him who went out and came in. For I have set man against his neighbor. Verse 11. There's a but. But now I will not deal with the remnant of the people 
as in the former days, declares the Lord. What he's saying here, I used to, I used to put you under my, my wrath and my judgment. I'm not going to do that anymore. A new time is coming. But now I will not deal with the remnant of this people as in the former days, declares the Lord of hosts. For there shall be a sowing of peace. The vine shall give its fruit and the ground shall give its produce and the heavens shall give their due. And I will cause a remnant of this people to possess all things. And as you have been a byword of, of cursing among the nations, O house of Judea and house of Israel, so I will save you. And you shall be a blessing. Fear not, but let your hands be strong. Verse 14. For thus says the Lord of hosts, as I propose to bring disaster to you when your fathers provoked me to wrath, and I did not relent, says the Lord of hosts. Get verse 15 now. So, again, I proposed in these days to bring good to Jerusalem in the house of Judea. Fear not. Now, here's the verse that Paul's thinking of. He's thinking of this whole context. And the context is God saying, I'm going to do a great move. And there's going to be a new Jerusalem. And in that time of new Jerusalem, there will be peace. And in the time of new Jer Jerusalem, you will be fruitful. And what Zechariah is doing is really looking to the time that we live in. He's fulfilling the prophecy of Zechariah in the New Testament. That's why Paul takes it and picks it up and says, this is strong. You people really need to understand that this is what God has always proposed. Verse 16. These are the things you shall do. Speak the truth to one another. Render in your gates judgment that are true and make for peace. Do not devise evil in your hearts against one another and love no false oath for all these things I hate, declares the Lord. So what is this truth that I'm supposed to speak and you're supposed to speak to your neighbors? Speak the truth to one another. Render in your gates judgments that are true and make for peace. Do not devise evil in your hearts against one another and don't love any falsehoods. Don't go back to your old ways of being deceitful. That's the first thing I want to see about this truth. It's Old Testament. It's God that gives them the ability to do this, not themselves. Look what he says. Look at verse 14. As I propose to bring disaster to you and your fathers, he did that when he sent everybody into uh, Babylon and all the other places, he put them into exile. Then in verse 15, he goes, so again, I've proposed in these days to bring good to Jerusalem. So he purposed that this would happen. Did it happen in that time? No, why? No Holy Spirit dwelling in them. The truth is in us because I can renew the spirit of my mind to think this way because the Holy Spirit dwells in me. And that only comes because of the finished work of Christ. It's the first thing about this truth that's in you. The second one is turn back to the book of Ephesians. And again, this is the danger of, uh, it's not the danger, it's a caution I put in as we've kind of lifted this out of context because we're missing a really point that Paul says a little ahead of this that we need, really need to get to. So turn to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. Look what Paul talks about truth. Verse 15. Rather speaking the truth in what? What does Paul say? Inspired by the Holy Spirit. Who's got their Bible? Everybody yell it out that's got their Bible. Love. Ah. Remember I said sometimes I, I look at the church and I just cry over it? I know that I have sat there and had the truth spoke to me, not in love. I loved a church 30 years ago. 27 years ago. 
And at one point, that pastor bring me and my wife in and told us to give up on two people in our lives. They're a waste of your time, Tim. You got too many more important things to do. Now, he was calm about it. But it wasn't biblical. He wasn't speaking truth and love. He was too afraid that those people that we were ministering in our lives were going to cause a problem in his church. He caused enough problems in his own church. His church fell apart. And now why do I know that he's speaking that it was a lie? Amy Hunter, husband at 35, died of pancreatic cancer. I was able to take my daughter, who was 14 at that time, and hold Troy's hand and tell him to go see Jesus as he passed away. And my daughter still sees that today. Amy Hunter is our little sister. Kathy and her are going through a Zoom Bible thing today. We have been her strength, her anchor, through Christ Jesus for 25 years. If I would have listened to this guy speak truth, I would have walked away from her. About 15 years after that, after Troy died, she remarried to a beautiful man that raised her three sons like his own. And he died of ALS at 45. She's still trying to figure out why God did that to her. She doesn't hate God. She loves God. She just hadn't quite figured it out yet. If I would have listened to this guy before that, I would have walked away. Annie and Steve Holman. Kathy's probably closest sister in Christ there is. We were told we were wasting time with them. Steve's going deaf. Spent all day Monday driving around Poudre Canyon. Anybody been to Poudre Canyon outside of Fort Collins? Oh, you want to see the glory of God in creation? Take a vacation and drive up Poudre Canyon. And God will just scream, here I am. Here I am. And it was a glorious time with Steve and Annie. They needed time just with their brothers and sisters. If he would have spoke truth and love to me, I think he would have gone to 1st, 2nd Timothy 2. With all patience and all kindness, enduring evil, be able to teach and correct. I think would have spoke truth, Tim, be patient. I know you want to give up, Tim. Don't give up on him. Sit with him. Cry with him. Be angry with him, but do not sin when they need to be angry. Give him away next week's sermon. Uh, but that's speaking truth and love. Look what Ephesians says again. Rather, speaking the truth and love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Here's the problem. Truth, what we just learned in verse 15, is truth spoke in love creates mature believers in Christ and holds the whole body of Christ together. You know where the most divided place in the United States is on Sunday mornings? In the body of Christ. In the body of Christ. We don't have yellow pages anymore. Some of you probably don't know where yellow pellage is. <laughs> uh, go find one. Open it up to churches. In any town over 30,000. 
and you'll get tired of counting after about 15. Look what he says again. Rather speaking the truth in love, this very thing that he just commands us in verse 25 to do, put off deceitfulness of your old self, Tim. Put on love. Do that with your neighbors. Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Why is it through love? Because Christ loved us. From whom the whole body, everybody in this room, that's everybody in every other church, Bible church within Fort Myers, it's the church universal. From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in, what's the word? Love. Now, I can get really wishy-washy about love, but biblical love sometimes is hard. That's why you have to trust each other. That's why there has to be a history of love. Because sometimes I'm going to come to some people in love, and it's going to be a correcting love. Steve Holman would tell you that today. In 22 years of knowing Steve Holman, I've had to rebuke him twice. Once really, really hard. He did something no man, no married man should ever do. And the way he loved, the way he didn't love his bride as Christ loved the church. You know what? I can still sit down with Steve and have breakfast with him and eat enchiladas with him and have tostados with him, drive up Poudre Canyon with him. Because he knew one thing, that I loved him. But at that point, he needed correction. But there's times I sat with him and loved and celebrated with him. There's times we sat with love and encouraged him. There's times we sat and loved and were just overjoyed at the love of Christ together. We did that last Saturday at the marriage of his last son. It was a time to sit there and love on Steve and Annie in the celebration of their last son, making a covenant with the woman he wants to spend the rest of his life with. That builds up his maturity in Christ. That's what Paul's teaching here. Be truthful to each other in love. We learned a couple weeks ago that love rules out cunningness and deception. Truth and love is kind, it's not jealous, it never fails, it's not provoked. It does not account for being wronged. I imagine for most of us sitting in this room, at some point in time, we all needed to repent because we broke that one. We held on to a wrong that God says you can't hold on to. I didn't hold on to it with you, Tim, when my son died for you. Why are you holding on to it? Does not account for being wronged. Rejoices in truth. Love bears, believes, hopes, and endures in all things. It rejoices in truth. The truth that I expect you to give to me and the truth you should expect your brothers and sisters to give back to you. And I want to leave with this and then we'll pray. It's a challenge to all of us. It's just a challenge to me. Um... One of the greatest convictions, one of the greatest things of having the gift of teaching and preaching is I go through all the things that you're going through right now as I'm putting this together. Uh, and then it comes all back in teaching it. But this is what God laid on me to end this in. My challenge to myself and my challenge to the people I love in this body of Christ and the people I love outside this body of Christ are we as individuals, are we as those who are in this local gathering and as a church universal living up to this biblical truth? As I was doing this, the Holy Spirit said, 
Yes here, no here, no, 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 yes, yes, no, 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 yes. Are we open to that conviction of the Holy Spirit? Because I desire to love you in this truth. I desire to sit there when you're hurt and speak love and truth into you. I desire when you come to say, I messed up, Tim, is to sit there with you and correct you lovingly, but live out 2 Timothy. Be patient and kind, enduring evil, able to teach, so that God may give the gift of repentance. That's exactly what Paul's telling us here. And brothers and sisters, every one of us sitting in this room today that is saved by the blood of Christ has the ability, the strength, I would pray the desire, the want, the treasuring, the love to do this. To your husband, to your wife, to your kids, to your pastors, to your neighbor next door. That's a gift the holy God of the universe gave to every one of us. Every one of us. Celebrate it. Treasure it. Enjoy it. Grow in it. Rest in it. Let's pray. Holy Father, we come to you in your holiness that these words flow out of a holy God. And in that, Father, you showed us that uh, in and of ourselves, in our old person, we could never do this. We may have liked the idea of doing it. We may have desired the idea of doing it. But our sinful nature overrode any ability to do it. And then you gave us Jesus Christ. Then you gave us this gift of love that died for our ability to speak truth and love to each other. Thank you for that. Lord, let us use this gift to, uh, to encourage each other. Let us use this gift to hold each other up. Let us use this gift to exalt you. Let us use this gift to, uh, to correct when we need to correct with those people that when we use it in correction, they know that they're being loved and they know that you're gonna walk alongside them. Thank you for this truth. Thank you for this body of believers. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for your infallible inspired word that we can find truth in all matters of life. But above all, Thank you for the sufficiency and the supremacy of Jesus Christ in all things. Amen.